0: Welcome in to the For the Throne Dynasty podcast. With your defending champion, Sterk Daddy, runner up, Cascade Bear, third place, Amelia Clark Fan, D. Sladkey, Bucks and Six. Justin STP six Lefty seventy nine Andy Pollock Little Slads Prince Palmer seventeen Spaceballs the FFT and WGL ten thirty five Welcome back to your mid-season for the Throne Dynasty podcast. We came to you one, two times this off-season, just due to not having the time necessary to do a weekly basis. Maybe in the future that'll happen. But I'm back with my guest. He is the manager of The Legend of is Justin.
1: Hey, what's up? Ready for a brand new season. Let's get it.
0: So we got four segments for you guys today. We got the trade recap. We're going to talk about some recent trades just briefly that happened in our league. We're going to break down Gulag's week one, including who got eliminated, and then some key highlights from the waivers that ran today. In our Third segment, we're going to talk about our week one in our league, including the return of cookies. Justin. And then for week four, Or, sorry, for segment four, we're going to talk about week two in our upcoming league. Just kind of preview that. So, let's get started right away with our first section, which is all about trades. And I know you have a highlight at the top that you kind of wanted to make mention of. So, what did you see happen in the trade realm of For the Throne?
1: Well... Congratulations on Tyler for at one point owning every single Packers receiver outside of Devontae Adams. Uh, he made a lot of trades to make that happen, and he grabbed a couple of guys off waivers. Not all of them are still in his team, but I thought that was kind of funny. Good good offseason moment for sure.
0: The next trade that we just wanted to briefly touch on was actually not a trade that was pushed for the very first time. This was a vetoed trade uh, by York Mish. Uh, most trades i pushed through if you remember there was only one trade that really came into question it was between ryan and andy looking back i don't think that trade needed to be touched at all so that's why moving forward i'm going to be more on the on the uh loose end in terms of what trades are are actually discussed as being vetoable or uh, actually adjusted but this one and i'm glad that we did cancel out this trade because really it did not it would not resonate right now uh, maybe in a couple of years but uh definitely not a trade that should fly um, in our league just because it would deplete one of the teams more than the other so what ended up happening is little slads and spaceballs agreed to a deal and little slads would have required alan robinson who we know is no matter who the quarterback is, gonna get it done. He's with the Bears. We have Zach Wilson, who is the rookie quarterback with the Jets, and then Deshaun Watson, who is currently just sitting on the bench and watching Tyrod Taylor on the Texans. Spaceballs would have received Carlos Hyde, who is a backup running back in Jacksonville, Sterling Shepard, who is, I believe, the wide receiver. He actually might be two now for the Giants, but that's not really appealing. Uh, Trey Lance, which was the big piece he wanted just because he had Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle on his team, a twenty third, twenty two third, third, fifth, and a 2023 20, second. So when we put the trade just in the calculator, and this obviously is not a basis of if a trade's vetoed or not, but it just kind of gives us uh a general range. And what we saw is little slabs would have won the trade by I think it was like 40 points which is equivalent to around three first round picks but definitely not a trade uh that would help even the the playing field in, by any means did you have any thoughts on this when it happened
1: I I remember seeing this and I saw like a lot of more established players which is a lot of picks and a lot of stuff going on I don't remember too much about this. Just I remember the discussions that were going on in the the chat. Um I appreciate that we're trying to make sure all trades are kept fair and that's pretty much all I remember about it.
0: Yeah. So you know, it could have been something that they looked at just adjusting and made the trade if Spaceballs really wanted uh trade lands but it sounded like little slats really wanted the deal because he wanted alan robinson and that's obviously very fair to want the next trade that we saw happen this offseason right before the season began was lefty received will fuller and he sent away michael gallup in a 2022 fifth um i actually like this trade a lot for lefty with will fuller he just finished up his one game suspension he does have Tua Tungavailoa on his team. He traded away Dak Prescott, as we infamously know. Um, and Will Fuller is more fit to, if you were to stack him with Tua, that would work. And I just like Will Fuller overall as a player, regardless of what team he's on.
1: Yeah, Will Fuller um, is a really good boomer bus guy, but he had a really great season last year. Uh, I remember I traded him in the offseason because I was so sick of him, and he just exploded. So I think that's a pretty good move for him. Um, that stack is going to be pretty great. Uh, Michael Gallup had a great first week and now is out for a month. So it looks like as of right now, start kind of lost
0: that one. But both are pretty solid receivers. The next trade that we had happen was uh, Jamal Williams. So I guess it would help down who actually has these players. <clears throat> Uh, so, Jamal Williams is currently on Jake's team. So, Jake acquired Jamal Williams uh, for Mike Williams, who is now on Sturk's team. So, we have an, uh, a Sturk Cascade Bear championship match trade. And we saw a couple of these actually in this offseason. So, it was Jamal Williams in a 2022 fourth? Go to Jake for Mike Williams in a 2022 fifth. Um, Do you have a winner on this trade? Do you think it's kind of a wash? Do you think it's even?
1: Seems like a wash after week one. You would have thought that Jamal Williams was just like a good change of pace back. But in week one, he was one of the top five running backs in the league. I thought at first Mike Williams' uh, owner won that deal. But you never know what, what the Lions are doing. Dan Campbell's biting some
0: kneecaps out there especially because the Lions are going to be down in, like, every single game, so they're going to have to pass the ball. Swift is a good pass catcher, but so is Jamal Williams. So we saw that they both got involved really, really well against the 49ers, who have a good defense. The next trade that happened was kind of random, and I still don't really understand the logic. But uh, So Tyler got Gardner Minshew back up for the Eagles. Uh, a 2023 3rd and a 2023 4th they traded away Antonio Brown who what did he score 20 22 points on Thursday night against the Cowboys they have a shit defense but I think Antonio Brown is going to have an outstanding year and I thought that in the off season additionally uh the Kirk Cousins who said he would put up what did he say he'd put up plexiglass around him to play football this off season cuz he won't get vaccinated Uh, And Kirk Cousins is the other piece going to Randy. So Randy gets another starting quarterback. He gets a startable flex piece for a backup quarterback and two, uh, two years from now, picks that are late.
1: I don't know if I lost you, but yeah, that's a very interesting trade that was made. Um we that was another one that generated a lot of chat um in the um for the throne page. Are you there? Mm -hmm. Okay. I've just got a complete silence. I wasn't sure. All right. So yeah, that was one that got a lot of talk uh between the league. It was very interesting. I'm not sure why gardner Minshew is currently on a roster when he's the third stringer in Philadelphia. Uh, but it looks like Randy got a lot of depth um, for not that much of a price, which is going to help his team in his bid to get back to the top.
0: The next trade that we had actually went down today, and uh, it, it, it was involving me and d Uh I traded away Travis Kelsey to d and I received Noah Fant. A 2022 first and then a 2023 first. So, D Slacky's trying to throw all his chips in on this season. I was trying to get a little younger, and additionally, my team is definitely, with the injuries I've had early in the season, not fit to compete for a championship. So, that's kind of why I hit the reset button on a 31 year old tight end who is in his prime. I try to sell high. And I think I succeeded with that.
1: Yeah, I I think you did. Uh, Travis Kelsey is by far and away the best tight end in the league right now, fantasy wise and in real life. Um, We don't know how many more years left he has when he's 31 years old. Fant is a great option. He's young and you get two picks. I know you've, in the past, you've traded uh, first rounders to move up. Now you get a couple of those back to kind of replenish your depth for the future.
0: Another trade that we just wanted to kind of highlight was, again, Lefty getting Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard, those two Packer wide receivers, and he traded Will Tyrell Williams, who was looking like the top wide receiver for the Detroit Lions. He actually just got a concussion. He was in the concussion protocol. But any thoughts at all on that trade? Yeah,
1: I thought Tyrell Williams was for sure going to be the, the Lions' number one. They kind of just ran out with a bunch of different receivers out there. Um, Cobb and Lazard looked like crap in for week one, but then again, sort of the entire Packers offense. So I, I would have thought Tyrell Williams won this deal just with Devontae Adams and MVS and the rookies, but we'll see. It's just kind of a wash NSC North receivers.
0: And the last trade that we kind of wanted to talk about was again involving the two teams involved in our championship, which was Cascade Bear and Stirk Daddy. Uh, Cascade Bear receives Keenan Allen, Henry Ruggs, and a 2022 second. So getting some depth to the wide receiver position. And then he sent away Joe Mixon in a 2022 third over to Sterk after I had tried for months to get Joe, J, Joe, uh, Joe Mixon. Uh, what would you think of this trade? This is a pretty, uh, pretty important
1: one. Um, Joe Mixon is poised for a great year. Keenan Allen has always been Mr. Consistent. As long as he's healthy, he's had phenomenal years. Um, Henry Ruggs, you're not sure what you're going to get with him. He's the young guy. Uh, kind of boomer bust potential, but this is this was a huge trade that kind of was overlooked a little bit in the
0: offseason. Yeah, I don't think we really touched on it too much. Bit. I remember Randy even said, wait a second, Joe Mixon got traded. So we definitely didn't touch on it too much. Which may just be simply because of the fact that it is a very even trade.
1: Yeah, it looks really good for both sides. It's just Those are some big-name players
0: that got moved. That's all we have for trade recap and trades we want to discuss. As they happen this year, we'll be talking about them. Going on to our second segment now, we're going to talk briefly about the Gulag. Uh, Again, if you are not familiar with the Gulag, which most of you are because you're in our league, but the Gulag is a 32-team guillotine league. And how it works is the lowest two teams every single week are eliminated. They're removed from the league their players are dropped, and then everybody else in the league has the ability to put waiver claims in for these players. Everybody starts with a $1,000 budget. You use it or you lose it. Um, and after two days, so tomorrow when waiver claims run for the second straight day, everybody will be free to pick up immediately. So in week one, we had two best friends go out in the exact same week. So we had Charlie Monday go out and Benji Kaler go out in the exact same week. Uh, I know that Benji, he actually took two quarterbacks. He took Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers. He clearly started the wrong one. He started Aaron Rodgers who scored one and a half points. And Charlie, on the other hand, did not have a starting quarterback. So uh, a lot of people were playing defense in our draft, including myself. I drafted five kickers. So, or four kickers to try to block someone from getting a starter. uh, Kind of unnecessary, and I was very scared all the way down to Damian Harris scoring around 10, 12 points. Um, I, was, I was feeling like there was a chance I could get eliminated. I did not have a great week one, especially because my number one pick, Derrick Henry, who I took at two because I thought he was Mr. Consistent, and he would give me a consistent amount of points every week and not bust. Uh, He did bust, and that's why I was scared. You got Dalvin Cook as a result of that, and you, my friend, were the top scorer in week one of the Gulag.
1: It felt great. Uh, Gulag is never the same two weeks in a row, but I I feel pretty – I don't even want to say that. It's the Gulag. Anything can happen. But I was very, very proud of my team in week one. Uh, having TJ Hawkinson and Jared Goff stacked on that Lions comeback was it was huge for me. Um, yeah, it was it was a great week for my team.
0: So I want to I want to run through what our teams look like just really quickly. Just because we'll be talking about it all year round, and I know we'll be staying, in even if we get eliminated, I just want to run through mine. So to begin with. I'm just going to talk about my team prior to waivers running today. So my quarterback starting was Ryan Fitzpatrick. I was really excited about that. Uh, my running backs were Damian Harris and Derek Henry with my wideouts being Corey Davis, my wide receiver one, and then Russell Gage, who had a fat zero in week one. Uh, I have Gerald Everett as my tight end. My flex was Gabriel Davis. Um, and then my kicker was the new Chargers kicker, Tristan Viscano, with I think I had three or four – yeah, three starting kickers on my bench. He was like Jake Elliott, uh, the Jets kicker, <laughs> Amendola, and uh, I don't remember where the third one was. But I also drafted the, Bill, or the, the Lions defense. It was the very last one, and I did not play them in week one. I'm glad that I did because they scored negative points. So – can you just kind of run through your team quick?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I got Dalvin Cook right off the bat, which was huge. In uh, the second round, I was able to get um, – it was either TJ Hawkinson or Jamar Chase. Both of them have had great weeks uh, in my lineups. Then um, in my second running back squad, I had Philip Lindsay, which, I mean, in Gulag, he's, he's solid, but that's pretty much all you get from that. Um, Brian Edwards went off. I'm really, really excited about him for both my gulag and my sarcastic ball team. Uh, Darnell Mooney had a solid game in my second wide receiver spot, although Chase is probably going to flip him there. And then uh, at my kicker, I had the Jacksonville kicker, Jake Lambo. Jot, nope. Wow, Josh Lambo. That shows how much I know about him. Uh, when you drafted all those kickers, I had to grab someone fast. Um, and then I had, took the Chargers defense, which did pretty well against um, the football team. It also helped that Fitzpatrick left, and it was just Taylor Heineke there. But, yeah, I was the top scorer. Um, with with Hawkinson, Chase, Cook, and Goff well over 20, that's, that's all it has to do in Week 1 in Gulag.
0: Now, I made a big move. I made two big moves at the waiver period. I actually had to make one because now we know that Ryan Fitzpatrick is out for most of, if not the entire season. So I had to get my hands on a quarterback. Uh, so I put in bids for Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, Taylor Heineke, Justin Fields, and Taysom Hill. I needed to get one of them. Even though Taysom Hill didn't really get involved in week in week uh, one, I even put a bid in for Mariota if I wouldn't have got Taysom Hill. Uh, so I needed to make sure I got someone, because huh? I'm not trying to take a zero. Now, I hope I don't get a freaking negative score uh, tomorrow night with Taylor Heineke against the Giants. But I had to get someone knowing that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to miss a lot of time. And I know that there are some teams that are going to have quarterback issues as well. In fact, I actually saw Matt Ryan was available for quarterback, and he didn't have a great week one, but at least he should score some points. But at the same time, they are playing the Buccaneers defense. So I went out and I got Taylor Heineke. He's now my starting quarterback. Some other moves that happened were lefty Tyler actually put, uh, he got $888 he spent on Austin Eckler. Again, remember the bid is one or the budget is $1,000. So he definitely got his guy in Austin Eckler um, from the Chargers. And that really helped kind of ease the pain of losing Gus Edwards. The next biggest bid was from me. I spent $401, which I could have spent about a hundred dollars less and gotten him, but I spent $401 on AJ Brown to add to my team. So now I'm looking at like an AJ Brown, Corey Davis, Gabriel Davis trio. Um, And then I still have Russell Gage on my team. We'll kind of see if he, uh, gets involved at any point. He was only targeted twice. Um, So that was $401 I spent on AJ Brown. I also spent uh, around $50 on Taylor Heineke so I could get him as a quarterback. For Greg Joseph, that was another move that Lefty made. He spent $88. No one else bid on the kicker from the Minnesota Vikings. So he definitely got his kicker that he wanted. Some other moves included Allen Robinson went for $295, Aaron Rodgers went for $200, and then Dak Prescott went for $188. Uh, There was plenty of other transactions. I believe there was 29 that happened in our first waiver period, so we'll have to see how it kind of plays out. Uh, Tyler has around $24 left to spend for the year, so he better hope that Austin Eckler uh, and Greg Joseph kind of carry him for the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, it was crazy to see how many people were trying to better their roster. If you look back at the draft last week, too, a lot of those sleeper-created players um, for auto-drafted people, they were players that hadn't been in the league for like two, three, four, five years with some fantastic names. Uh, and then when the, the team's... The you know, pe- owners got back they're like who in the world are these people i think you and i and like four or five other people were just laughing at some of the names and some of the ridiculousness that happened in that draft that was
0: a fun one did you get any people from the waivers
1: uh i did not i put in a couple small bids on um some backup running backs and receivers my guys were outbid i may or may not have put in a few more today so we'll <laughs> see what happens
0: tomorrow there you go. So that is week one of the Gulag. We will update you every week. Who is eliminated? Um, so it'll be interesting. When we get down to the top four, only one team is eliminated each week. And the good thing is, uh, in the past, we had only paid out, I believe those was first, was it first and second, or first, second, and third, One of the th- one of the two options, but this year, we settled on top five paying out. So a lot of those people that get to the end, even if they don't come out of the gulag alive, they're still going to be rewarded to an extent. So we'll have to see what happens going forward. Do you remember what place you took last year?
1: Uh, I do not. I was like right in the middle, I believe. I was yep, in, like in the teens somewhere.
0: So we'll have to kind of see what happens with that. Okay, moving on to our third segment here. It's all about week one. So before we actually get into our league, did you have any big takeaways just from the NFL week one? I think the big takeaway for me and the biggest shocker by far was the Packers' attempt to play football in Jacksonville against the Saints and LASIK eye surgery recent uh, alumni, Jameis Winston, who was throwing the ball to <laughs> literally random fucking people. Chris Hogan had a touchdown. He threw, like, what was it, 150 yards and then five touchdowns?
1: Yeah, it didn't It didn't help that Aaron Rodgers just threw two balls just right to the Buccaneers. Um,
0: Buccaneers?
1: The Saints. Sorry, James, <laughs> the old team. Yeah, I... I'm just going to try to erase that game out of my, my memory because that was just horrendous on all accounts. I don't really think a single Packer played well. Uh, I think I saw a tweet about Packer highlights from the game and it was a five-second clip of Mason Crosby making a 30-yard field goal and that was it. <laughs> that was pretty accurate.
0: That I think, was, that I was think, rough. I think uh, it's so funny, like week one, Whenever you have, like, a really good game, I love when people are like, oh, this is the game of the year, as if, like, we've been playing the entire season. So, like, people were calling (laughs) Raiders and Ravens the game of the year, which to an extent it was because it was by far the best game. That game was absolutely wild Uh, that went into overtime, and then the Raiders came out on top. Believe it or not, the AFC West, every single team is now 1-0. NFC West, two. NFC I West is one zero as well, right? All of them. Yep.
1: It's the battle of the West this year. Uh, I think the West, well, both West divisions are stacked. We'll have to see how that works. But yeah, that Ravens um, Raiders game was crazy. Uh, I remember I watched the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, and then all of overtime on my phone in bed, and it was just wild. All the turnovers, the potential touchdowns, um, the when the Raiders thought they won, all their people were going on the field, their fireworks went off, and they're like, oh wait, you didn't? And then Derek Carr went and threw a pick off of the <laughs> guy's off of their his receiver's helmet. That and then Lamar Jackson with the fumble. There was so much that happened in such a short time, and your brain was just on overload.
0: Did you have any other big takeaways from week one? A lot of people are really concerned or like making outlandish takes on Trevor Lawrence. Uh, They did play against who are, we are projecting to be horrible. The Texans, uh, he threw, what was it? Three picks, three touchdowns, three picks. Yeah. Three touchdowns,
1: three picks. He looks like a rookie quarterback that it's expected to not be at like a all pro level at this point in his career. Um, I didn't see too much of this game because it was a pretty bad game and we were watching red zone. Um, but I mean, the couple throws that I saw him make, yeah, he made some bad decisions, but he also made some pretty great ones. That touchdown throw that he had to chark was a rocket to him. Uh, The other big takeaway, I guess, was Witching Hour, I was so excited for, and it it delivered. The Lions' uh, desperate comeback with the onside kick and then Debo Samuel's random fumble after he already had won the game um, made the Witching Hour fantastic. Um, then we had the overtime game. Um, that was fantastic as well. It came all the way down to the wire. Like this is what we live for week one of the NFL. I will say, I remember listening to part of my take about it, but towards the second half of the, the second window of games, your brain's not used to watching six straight hours of football at this point in the season. And I just remember being physically exhausted at that point, watching the Zipping back and forth between all these different screens, all these scores. It was fantastic, but also pretty tiring. And when you get done with all of it, you're just sitting there like, I did nothing today, but I'm exhausted, but it was worth it. NFL football week one, right there.
0: Yeah, that Vikings Bengals game was preposterous. There was, there was, like, of course, Delvin cooked their best player on the team, arguably. Pummels the game away, and then the Bengals win
1: it. That whole game was pretty much madness. Uh, Jamar Chase apparently um, knows what a football looks like now and is able to continue to be a first-round receiver and make some great plays for him. Um, it was awesome to see Joe Burrow lead him back after his knee injury that was pretty uh, brutal last year. But yeah, it's that was that was a really, really fun game. Um, before the Raiders-Ravens, that was probably going to be the game of the week, especially yeah. with some of the questionable coaching
0: decisions. Yeah, I will say it, it's pretty interesting. So, like, what we started with was Buccaneers-Cowboys on Thursday, and that was an incredible game, too. So you really have, like, great games on both ends of the week to end up watching.
1: Yeah, And it, it really is a testament to how much NFL football is exciting and it just has so many twists and turns and it, it's a fun time uh, in the year for sure, especially yeah. when all the fans think that their teams have chances going yeah. into the year. Even if you realistically don't, you still think that and then all the weak overreactions are the best after that.
0: Like the Texans.
1: Yeah, apparently the Texans are a competent team, according to some. Um, I mean, they have competent players, but uh, by the end of the year, they're going to be the Texans that we thought they were going to be.
0: I will say my boys are 1-0 after that huge victory over the football team. We got Dallas this upcoming week, so I hope we can continue going. it's going to be rowdy, all 30% capacity of the Chargers stadium since Chargers fan bases, you know. Pretty. Passers. So Sorry, you cut out pretty what? Yeah. So Chargers fan base, as we know, is kind of kind of sketchy. You know, most of their home games have more visiting fans than anybody else.
1: Yeah, that's that'll be rough. But you do have Justin Herbert to cheer for, Eckler, all those studs on defense. Plus, you know, Derwin James back. Yeah. which is pretty great for you. I know you were really, really excited to, to the last two pretty injury-riddled years. So I'm just um, going to... Cowboys, Cowboys looked pretty great, but they also just lost their starting right tackle, I believe, um, and Gallup. So we'll see how they're going to do. Um, Mike McCarthy might have to smash some watermelons before that game for them to have a chance.
0: Yes, or or show some awesome powers. You yeah. that was so, great i'm going to go through week one i'm going to go through the matchups and just kind of say who was playing what the score ended up being if there's any big takeaways when i'm done going through these scores justin is going to kind of take us through the cookies he's going to talk about what our optimized lineup was if we looked at our entire team and people that were started Uh, we optimize it and then every single week we kind of see where our optimized lineup would stand against other weeks. Additionally as the, the season progresses we'll be able to see what teams have the most cookies and then also what players end up with the most cookies as well. So we can see kind of the players that have stood above the rest. So to begin with in week one we had all elite fantasy versus team D Slackey, which is my team versus D Slacky. Uh, I ended up losing by around thirty-three points, even with a thirty-nine point effort from Mahomes. Uh he had twenty-seven and a half from Christian McCaffrey, who did not even score, and he still had that many points. Uh I had two players that went out and they're now on the IR, either season ending or for six to eight weeks. So that's great. Uh, I had Hopkins with 26.3 and then Kelsey in his hurrah with me with 25.6. Um, but he really got it done. Most, all of his players, uh, got 10 points at a minimum while I had some that busted pretty hard and his IDPs, uh, Cameron Hayward had 19 and a half. And then for me, every single IDP I had was less than 10 points. So not the best performance for me. I start 0-1, and then Slacky is now 1-0. In our second matchup of the week, we had Lefty versus Spaceballs. And Lefty does what he does best, win games at the beginning of the season. And he takes down Spaceballs in a very low-scoring affair for what we can expect to be scoring points this season. Uh, so Lefty won the matchup by 16 He's now 1-0, and Spaceballs is 0-1. Even with 1.32 points from Aaron Rodgers, Lefty still was able to pull out the victory. Oh, by the way, even with negative .6 from Ronald Jones. So between one of his starting running backs and quarterback, he had .7 points, and he's still able to win by 16. So that's just not a good loss for Spaceballs. You look at CeeDee Lamb, he had 23.5 points. He's definitely lefty's franchise player. You got Gronkowski, as you kind of said earlier before we were recording. He went off with 29 points, two touchdowns. And Kareem Hunt even had a solid performance with 17 points. The rest of his players were pretty pretty standard or mediocre at best. You look at Spaceballs' aside. His running backs were not good. They combined for around 11 points. And you can't really have that happen with two starting running backs. Additionally, he had his wide receiver one, Brandon Ayuk. He had zero points. So he had nothing going at all. He is a little banged up, but that hurts. Kittle also kind of underwhelmed with only eleven and a half points. But Marvin Jones, one of his flexes, had 18 and a half. If you look at the IDPs, there wasn't really anybody that stuck out. Um uh, Spaceballs had two IDPs with 10+, and then Lefty did as well. So again, Lefty is now 1-0, and, and Spaceballs is 0-1. Our third match of the week, we had a championship rematch between Cascade Bear and Stirk Daddy. So Stirk Daddy wins for the second straight time, and I guess if you would count it, the second straight week against Cascade Bear by 13. If you look at it, Jake, again, as I may mention, had Jameis Winston starting. He only threw 150 yards, but he had five touchdowns against the Packers. You look at some of these other positions. Joe Mixon revenge games. Sterk Daddy gets 25 out of him, 37 out of Tyreek Hill, and then also 26.5 from Darren Waller. Really good flex performance for Cascade Bear and Debo Samuel, who had 32 points. look at the IDPs. Uh, lefty, or sorry, Cascade Bear had two with double digits. TJ Watt scored 20 and a half for Sturk Daddy. So Stirk Daddy starts the season off 1-0. He continues the winning. And then Cascade Bear is now 1-1. The next matchup is between Andy and Justin. So Justin ended up winning this matchup by 35 points over Andy. This is all topped off by a 41 and a half point performance from Kyler Murray, Ups, absolutely in, insane performance. However, Andy put 30.3 up from Matt Stafford. She had 20.8 from Melvin Gordon, who I did not think was going to be serviceable. I thought they were going to get Javante Williams involved right away. And then for you, Justin, he had 17 and a half from Jonathan Taylor and 15 and a half from Daryl Henderson. Darnell Anderson, as I'll further re- reference him as. Justin, his wide receiver, Amari Cooper, went off with nearly 40 points, 38.9. On the other side, Andy had Tyler Lockett with 26 and Cooper Cup with 23.8. Kind of a, bo- a bust performance for Michael Hartman from you in the flex with 4.9. Yikes. Andy also had 2.8 from Robert Tunyon in her tight end spot. Also, your boy, Rego Blankenship, only had four points at the kicker, whereas Andy, she got a cookie from Robbie Gold with 13 points.
1: You're giving out cookies already? That's my job.
0: (laughs) Just a spoiler alert. So Andy's IDPs, man, oh, wow, were they bad. Bud Dupree, one point. Joe Schobert, four points. Malcolm Jenkins, three points. Zach Cunningham, six and a half. On your side, you had two with 10-plus with Bobby Wagner and Devin Bush. So, just a really good, hard-fought victory for your team who put up 200 points. We're gonna, if, we, if we see 200 points on a team this season, we can expect that they had a really good week. <laughs> Our next matchup, oh boy, was this an absolute cheek clap between Little Slabs <laughs> and Will. Will beats Little Slabs by 130 points. Yes, 130 points. Horrendous performance for Little Slads. In fact, some would say a historically bad performance Or Little Slads underwhelmed. He went 80 points less than his projection. That's not good. We look at Little Slads. He only had .7 from Ryan Fitzpatrick, who did get hurt. Will had 33.4 from Dak Prescott. Look at his running backs. He had James Robinson, who actually did not look very good with 10.4, but none of the Jags did, and it was a horrendous defense in the Texans. 18.8 from David Montgomery. He's very, very dependable. Look at the wide receivers. Will got it done with 30.2 from Thielen, and then 24.5 from Chris Godwin. Little Slads' wide receivers were not good. 25.7 from TJ Hawkinson uh, for Will at tight end. And then he also had Chenault with 12.9, DK with 16. And then Josh Jacobs for Little Slads at 17. If you look at the IDPs, so Little Slads had two with 10 plus, and then Will had two with 10 plus, including 19 from Isaiah Simmons. So Will's 1 0 and Little Slads is 0 1. Finally, we have the matchup of Prince Palmer versus. Amelia Clark fan. An Amelia Clark fan ended up winning by 27 points. Started by a Russell Wilson 35-point performance. And Lamar Jackson had 21 for Ryan. Randy got 20-plus from both of his running backs, 20.5 from Cook, 22 from Nick Chubb. At the wideouts, Randy's wide receivers were really, really bad this week with none of them scoring seven. <clears throat> 15 apiece for both of uh, Ryan's. And then if you look at Dallas Goddard, 14 for Randy at tight end. And then he had 17 for Miles Sanders, 15.9 from A.J. Brown. Uh, And then DJ Sharks scored 17.6. People were questioning if he would still be solid with the Jags, knowing he hadn't really built a rapport with Trevor Lawrence and it was more Marvin Jones. But that was a flex piece for Ryan. Both kickers had 11 apiece, And then if you look at some IDPs, Ryan, Randy had two. So Joey Bosa with 13 and a half. Jordan Poirier had 11. And then uh, Ryan had Eric Kendricks with 10 and a half. So Ryan moves to 0 and 1. And then Randy 1 and 0. If you look at our standings right now, the current six teams that would be in the playoffs, obviously it's very, very early, too early. First team would be Will at 1 and 0. Two hundred twenty-eight points scored, just an absolute barn burner matchup. Then we have Justin in the two spot, who's one to zero. Randy in the three spot, Stirk Daddy in the four, D Slads in the five, and then Lefty in the six. That's our week one recap. I'm going to hand it over to Justin to talk about some cookies.
1: Insert cookie monster noise, but we what do have rather cookies. Rather cookie. <laughs> we do have uh, cookies back again for year two. Um, this week's cookies, I had a couple teams have two people in them. Um, for the total, we had 336.46 with our optimized lineups. Remember, these are only players that were started, so we cannot take Randy's Chandler Jones benching with 43 points. Uh, at QB. Kyler Murray, for my for my squad, at 41.56. He was our top scorer of the week. Uh, at the running back spots, it was kind of an underwhelming week for the running backs. Christian McCaffrey gets his first cookie of the year at 27.7 for Danny. And Nick Chubb gets has 22.1 for Randy. Um, I had the wide receiver one this week with Amari Cooper at 38.9. And Sturk had wide receiver two with Tyreek Hill at 37.1 we talked a little bit before about, but Rob Gronkowski worth that $90 in fab that Tyler spent on him two years ago, 29 for the cookie this week. Uh, the two flexes, we had Debo Samuel with 31.9 for Jake. It would have been two points higher, but that late fumble and then Adam Thielen with 30.2 for Will, formerly of Logan's team. Uh, At kicker, we had the kicker's Gould, Robbie Gould, uh, with 13 from Andy. D-Lineman, so Randy actually did start Joey Bosa, who gets a cookie this week, with 13 and a half. If it was Chandler Jones, though, our cookie score would have been added by 30 points. At linebacker, for Sturk Daddy, TJ Watt, we already talked about how great of a game he had, 20 and a half points. At the defensive back spot, Kevin Byard for our Little Slads with 12. Um, he was busy running all over the field trying to follow wherever Kyler scrambled and must have gotten a lot of tackles. And finally, in that IDP flex spot, still another question mark of why did Andy drop him? But Isaiah Simmons with 19 for Will. Great start there. Uh, it also helped that the Titans had a terrible day offensively. So that is the cookies for week one. We had a few teams with two. Our score to beat for the rest of the season will be 336.46. Turn it over back to Logan.
0: So we're now going to talk about, for our last segment here, week two of the the Throne League. So <clears throat> if we kind of take a peek here. At our schedule for the upcoming week, it starts with an 0-1-1 matchup between myself, All Elite Fantasy, versus Team Little Slads. So Team Little Slads is really trying to redeem himself after last week's performance. Uh, We'll kind of see what happens there, but I am lacking a lot of depth, that's for sure. With all these injuries that have happened, my team is horrendous. In fact, my flexes right now, my best two options are David Johnson and AJ Green. Good Lord. Please help me. Please help me help find someone on the waivers. But not looking like a great season ahead of me. But again, even if I had Kelsey, this would be the exact same situation. Uh, Little Slads on paper has a much more competent team than mine from top to bottom in the starting lineup right now. So we'll have to kind of see what happens if I can squeak one away or if Little Slads moves to one and one. In the second matchup, we have a one and O matchup between Justin and Lefty. So Justin, oh, by the way, projections wise for me and Little Slads, it's a horse apiece. Little Slads currently is projected to win by a half point. In your matchup, you are projected currently to win by 21 points. So we'll have to see if Aaron Rodgers redeems himself for lefty. On the wide receiver end, uh you still got those studs in Devontae Adams and Amari Cooper. I just saw that you switched your flex. And now you have the Lizard King, who had a really good week one in my eyes, and Brandon Cooks against Cleveland in your other flex, where he is currently starting Kenneth Gainwell, who actually was pretty solid for the Eagles, and Will Fuller in his flexes. So Lefty can, hopes to continue to shock the world and go to two and zero, but I know you would enjoy a two and zero start as well. The next matchup is another one and zero matchup between D. Sladkey and Will, and currently D. Sladkey's projected to win by two points. That's with his newly acquired stud Travis Kelsey. Look at D. Sladkey; his flexes are Devonte Smith and Robbie Anderson. Some interesting names. On Will's side, he's got Adam Thielen and LaVisca Chenault. Tom Brady's got a cupcake matchup this week against Atlanta, that's for sure. So we'll have to kind of see what happens. I'm looking forward to that Chiefs-Ravens game this week, for sure. But according to the projections, D. Slacky would move to 2-0 and Will 1-1. That should be a very good matchup.
1: The next matchup
0: also should be a very good matchup. It's between Cascade Bear and Randy, both Or sorry, Jake is 0-1 and Randy's 1-0. Currently, Sleeper's projecting a half-point victory for Cascade Bear. He's hoping to start James Winston and keep the hot hand. Uh, And then also, he's got some really, really juicy matchups for his running backs. Antonio Gibson against the Giants and Aaron Jones against the Lions. While his wide receivers, Calvin Ridley is going against Tampa, who pretty much locked everybody down, and the Falcons looked really incompetent passing wise. And then Keenan Allen going against a juicy Dallas secondary. So according to this projection right here, also Debo and Deontay Johnson are Jake's flexes while Miles Sanders and AJ Brown are the flexes for Randy. If the projection held, Randy would move to one and one and so would Jake. The next matchup is a battle of Owen ones between Andy and Spaceballs. And currently, Spaceballs is projected to win by nine points. That would move Andy to 0-2. We thought she'd be solid this year. That would not be a good start. So if you look at the flexes, Spaceballs currently has Tyler Boyd and Marquise Hollywood Brown as his flexes, whereas Andy has Chase Claypool and Justin Jefferson, both in their second season in her flexes. Also has some other interesting names in her lineup. But if this lineup would hold, Spaceballs so would be 1-1, one and, one, and Andy would be 1-1, one one, or 0-2. the last matchup of the day, we got Sturt Daddy against Ryan, and Sturt Daddy is currently projected to win by 14 points, which would move him to 2-0, and, and, and Ryan to 0-2. So if you look at some of the flexes, Ryan currently has Marquez Callaway and Jamar Chase in his flex, whereas Sturt Daddy has Mike Williams and Miles Gaskin in his flex. Stark Daddy keeps it hot. He's going to go to 2-0 and be looking like the front, the front runner to repeat this season. But we'll have to see who can compete with him. Ryan would be off to a dangerous 0-2 start. Any final thoughts on this upcoming week, week two?
1: I'm excited to see who which teams are for real, and we'll start seeing uh, some winning streaks and teams... Getting a little desperate in the weeks to come, maybe some uh, fire sale trades. It's a it's a great week, great year for fantasy. I'm excited for it.
0: That's what we got on this episode of Before the Fourth Throne podcast. Obviously, you can see uh, Justin and I are trying to get back into the back into the rotation. So uh, we had some rough spots in this episode, but you know will only get better as the season progresses. (laughs) Including a random fifteen second wait where Justin thought he was off the air. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty bad. One thing I will say though is we gotta give Stirk Daddy the floppy cock award of the week. Because Stirk Daddy today, he said that work kinda was was distracting him, obviously like fantasy football is our our job let's be honest uh Stirk p- attempted to send me a trade offer for two players that are not even on his team <laughs> someone help their bands. <laughs> yikes that's what we got for this not episode want to do that in this league though what did you say i said he's not the first to do that in this league though nope he's not i'm pretty sure jake <laughs> is guilty of that as well
1: Yes, and Jake, Jake is also guilty
0: of trying to trade with for a player on the wrong team. So, yeah, he, I remember he's trying to tra- he was trying to acquire DeAndre Hopkins from Randy when I have him.
1: Uh <laughs> oh, that, that those are the moments that make fantasy football a lot of fun.
0: He also sent a fourth round pick for AJ Brown in trade offer. Never forget. I don't think it Randy ever will. That's what we got for this episode of the For the Throne Dynasty podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.